You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 96. We're recording on uh, Monday evening here in the Eastern Time Zone. Uh, we have some important updates in Roma's Mercato for you, but first, Jimmy and Brandon are here with us. Guys, Roma had their, I guess, biggest friendly of the, the preseason so far. Notable opponent, Tottenham, Conte against Mourinho, two of the uh, more I don't know, abrasive managers of the world, right? If it, Whether you like them or not, they they apparently don't get along too well. And Mourinho got the best of his old side. So what'd you make of, you know, we're not going to get too much into it. Like it's a regular season match. What'd you make of Roma beating Tottenham one, nothing in the friendly uh, this past weekend in Israel? Well, it's far more encouraging than if they had lost. I'll say it that way. Uh, I would also just add that, you know, considering a lot of factors, whether it's uh, Tottenham being in a situation where, you know, next week is their first match of, of the season or, you know, playing in a weather environment that is 100% different from what Italy is going to be for most of the season. There were a lot of encouraging signs, like the fact that Roma was able to win 1-0 with an incomplete starting 11. That's pretty encouraging to me. Um, I would also say that Nikola Zalewski continued to be very impressive. Um, Dybala looked like he could fit into our attack pretty well. Um it was a quieter showing from Nicolo Zaniolo, but I'm not too worried about that. I think that overall, as much as Dybala will probably be impressive from day one, it will take time for the attacking core to kind of gel as a cohesive unit, I think, just because there are so many talents in there. There's not one guy who's going to automatically say, okay, I'll step back a little bit so everybody else can shine. There, there are four attacking stars on that on the team now, I would say, Pellegrini, Abraham, Zaniolo, and Dybala. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be a question for a little while, at least, of how to balance out that attack. But overall, a lot of really encouraging signs. Brendan, what did you think? I think it just emphasized the point that with Mourinho, every game is a final. I mean, I think you got some time wasting at the end. You saw some shenanigans between the players, which we've seen throughout the preseason. But I think that just speaks to the culture that Mourinho and 
his coaching staff are trying to cultivate. And, um, you know, now that they've won a final and if you treat every, every game, like a final, every game is winnable. And you know what, Roma beat Tottenham one Oh, which, you know, it's, it's a friendly, like we mentioned, it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things, but like Jimmy said, they're about a week out from the start of the Premier League season. So they probably wanted to get a good result. And, um, as much has been reported in the media, given, um, Conte's Conte's uh, rigorous fitness regime you would have expected Spurs to be you know a few levels above Roma in terms of fitness just in their respective um, points in their offseason so it was encouraging to see them get that 1-0 win and then like you said Dybala looking sharp um, and he looked he looked like he fit in the squad from the get-go I mean when you're when you're as talented as Dybala is that's not really hard to do but um, I think after one friendly, I'm ready to completely take away all dead ball situations away from Pellegrini and give it to Dybala. <laughs> Always starting the controversy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was encouraging. A one nothing win against an opponent with the kind of attack that Tottenham boasts with Kane and Son and, and those players. I don't think Roma conceded a shot on target the whole match, if I remember correctly, despite seeding, I think it was like 60 or 65% possession. So that's encouraging, especially if Roma plans on playing a lot in the counterattack in certain matches against bigger opponents. Uh, Jimmy's right. The weather certainly a factor. It was like 100 degrees or whatever over there this time of year. And uh, Zalewski was sharp. He did sprain his ankle toward the end. So hopefully that turns out to be a minor thing and he can get himself right within the first couple weeks of the season. But yeah, I mean, all four of the, the star attacking players are on the pitch. I don't think that's going to be a game in, game out thing once when Haldem arrives, if he does, as, as is rumored, um, just to add a little more balance to the squad. I think Pellegrini moves forward and there'll be some rotation among the, the front three, front four uh, different matches. But encouraging, uh, nice assist from Dybala on the corner to Ibanez and uh, to shut down that kind of team. And you know it means a lot to Jose Mourinho after the way he was unceremoniously axed from Tottenham right before a cup final, um, you know, some, uh, you know, conspiracies there as to why he was cut just days before a cup final when he did exit from certain people. So sure. It felt good to just kind of stick it to Levy and to Conte um, and, and just get a win because after the, the last match, I think it was the, the sporting friendly, which didn't go Roma's way, definitely encouraging signs on the defensive end. So I, I appreciate that. That was the, the biggest thing to me was seeing that. And, you know, Roma, we, we talked about, they're building up the, a, a team and Jimmy mentioned the four star attackers. Well, they might be adding a fifth quote unquote star type attacker because Andrea Belotti has reportedly agreed to a three-year deal as a free agent with Rome. I believe I saw 2.8 million per season was uh, the number I saw last. I mean, guys, what do you make of this move? Because this is a guy who I last year before Tammy became a realistic target was trumping for, for Marino's attack to replace Jekko. And you know, the, the price tag was too high Torino decided to just write out that contract and here he is coming in for basically free now. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm shocked that they're, uh, I would assume, you know, he's coming in a backup capacity. I'm sure he had some offers that um, he'd probably have a starring role, but then again, he's had a starring role with Torino for ha- the last however many years that he's been with them. So um, probably for his perspective, wanting to be part of a winning project or at least be coached by Mourinho which we know is a big draw these days. Um, and so to, to get him at this stage in his career, I think is a little bit of a coup on Roma's part. And I think it, regardless of how it works this season, if Abraham ends up going back to the Premier League after the end of this season, I think it's a great insurance move. Um, 
giving him that three-year contract. Um, and, you know, if he gets minimal amount of minutes this season and Abraham leaves there, you have your start, you have a starting striker replacement built in right there. So I think from that perspective, it's a great move. Yeah. I mean, I would just add that as you know, I've said countless times to this point, Within a month of starting at Roma, Mourinho's first comment was, well, there are four clubs that have way more depth than we do. And when you compound the fact that a lot of those clubs bombed out of European competition very quickly, it was easy as the season ran on for them to just have more legs than Roma did. And we saw that when Inter played Roma without Tammy Abraham and Rick Karsdorp, for example. We just got run ragged last season by a team with more legs. And, and less tired legs. And so signing a guy like Andrea Bellotti is another step in the right direction for Roma that clearly needed more depth last season, that had a solid starting 11, but just needed more. And we've been seeing a lot of moves that have set Roma up to just have more, whether that's Dybala, whether that's Wijnaldum, whether that's keeping Zaniolo most likely, though I assume we'll talk about the Tottenham links later. Um, we're doing a lot of moves that are giving Roma the chance to actually compete in multiple competitions and to not lose all hopes of a positive season if one key player gets injured and in today's game where there are so many matches each season you really need this kind of depth that Roma's developing if you want to win anything of significance and so it's definitely very it's a coup to be able to get Belotti it's a coup to bring him to Rome as our most definitely a backup behind Tammy Abraham there are a lot of things to really like about this move yeah, I love it. I've been a fan of Bellotti's for a while. Is he is he going to be the guy that scores 26 goals like he did back in 16, 17 with Trino when he was just 22 years old? No, he, he's not going to be that guy. And I'm sure there was a conversation with Mourinho that he's going to be an integral part of this team. I don't think he's coming here to play like 700 minutes like Eldor did last year, right? There, there had to be a conversation where, yeah, Tammy's our guy, but you know, you're going to have a major role in some some capacity, right? Whether that's spelling Abraham on weeks when there's a Europa League match or I think he can even play and we can talk about his role in a second too I think he can play next to Abraham against certain teams that maybe are packing the box and just kind of just pack it in we saw how Roma struggle with teams like that um, you know having the two heavy strikers could could maybe be a, a way of breaking that down but I mean this is a guy who scored 100 career goals for Torino on the dot um, in let's see one two three four about eight, eight or nine seasons with this club so um, he's got a pass with Dybala from Palermo. So they're familiar with each other as well. That maybe had some influence. I know he's good friends with Pellegrini. So all these things maybe came together and he, he probably said to himself, you know, if I'm going to be part of a winning project, like Brandon said, now has got to be the time he's 28. He's kind of at that tip of his prime where you start to maybe go down a little bit after that, um, physically and, and, you know, from an athletic perspective. And I mean, we can compare, what he what he's done in his career to Eldor and I mean it's not even comparable right Shamoradov three goals and four assists for Roma last season uh and the eight he had for Bologna before that everything else he did before that was in in Russia and even his goal scoring numbers there weren't impressive so now you're getting a guy who's an established player he's a workhorse we've seen it with Italy coming off the bench we've seen it with Torino uh he'll press he'll work hard and I think that's what is going to draw uh Marino's attention right that's why that's the kind of striker you're going to want especially coming off the bench if you're trying to to hammer home a win. I think he can be great in that capacity as well. Um, I think it's a great move all around for Roma. And I, I think he will have a, a big role. I mean, he's a guy who's played 3000 minutes in a lot of seasons for Torino. Um, this past season did miss some time, only made 16 starts, 1300 minutes or so. But um, 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's some people who don't like this move. I don't know what you can't like about this move when it's on a free, this is a guy who Torino was trying to get like 70 million euros for a couple of seasons ago. And he's probably a guy who the highest he ever finished in Serie A was seventh. He's like, well, if I go to Roma this year, be a part of a Europa league team and play in Europe finally, and maybe finish top four, which is the goal, then I could finally get some champions league football too. And I think that's the major influence for him at this point, because 2.8 million could have gotten paid a lot more for Toronto FC with Insigne from what the rumors say. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that although I'm always worried about guys like him who played at medium-sized clubs for most of their careers, I'm a lot less worried about bringing him in as a backup to to Tammy Abraham than I am if I if we were going to bring him in as a Jayco replacement, like you mentioned. Like in that situation, I would have said, okay, this guy's only played in Torino and Palermo basically uh, for his entire career. And we think that he can be the star striker for Roma. But if you bring him in as a guy who's not going to be the main focus point of the attack, probably whenever he's on the pitch, because let's face it, if he's on the pitch, it's likely that one of Tammy Abraham, Nicolo Zaniolo, Paolo Dybala, Lorenzo Pellegrini, someone like that is also probably going to be on the pitch as well. So as much as you worry about guys making the jump from like a medium sized club to a big sized club, it's probably the best environment for him to make that move where he's not expected to be the main focus point of the offense and therefore the main focus point of opponents' defenses. I, I, I think that's going to be a very positive move for him in that regard. And I think off of that point, the big thing is he's on the most talented team he's ever been on, right? He's going to be surrounded by crazy attacking talent. He had Dybala with him back in the day when they were both like 19-year-old kids coming up. Now you have an experienced Dybala, you have Pellegrini feeding him balls. Maybe he's playing off Abraham in a two-striker look at times, or Zaniolo. So there's a lot of players that could feed him balls and that he he won't be the focal point. Like you said, he can shine in different ways. Yeah, just to jump off that, that kind of goes into the point that I was going to make where, um, yeah, he's coming from a mid-sized club, but he's also has Italian national team experience where he's playing with those sort of caliber of players that you're going to get at Roma. And sure, the national team isn't doing as well as, you know, back in, back in the day, uh, 15 or so years ago, but still it's the national team and he's been there for some time. And although the numbers in that department aren't necessarily what you would like to see, um, you know, there, there's familiarity there with, you know, uh, Pellegrini, for example. So I'm pretty confident that it'll, that it'll, it'll come good. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not worried about those numbers. That, and I think he's a guy who, Roma really lacked a second goal scorer last year. Pellegrini was their second leading goal scorer with nine goals. A few of those were penalties. A few of those were free kicks. So from open play, they really didn't have anybody contributing much besides Abraham and his 17 league goals. So I think that this can give you another 10 goal scorer in the right situation. Uh, and then you hope that Zaniolo picks up his pace a little bit. Dybala adds another guy who can score 10 goals. So now maybe this season you have three guys who can surpass 10 goals in Serie A rather than just Abraham having to carry the load. Abraham played over 3,000 minutes last year there were definitely matches where he was gassed and, you know, Marino kept him in because he wasn't comfortable with uh, Eldor or any of these other guys coming off the bench. So I think it just makes the team so much deeper. Jimmy mentioned the depth that Mourinho referenced early last season. They're not just giving Mourinho depth. They're giving him quality depth. And I think that's the most important thing. When you look at Selic, you look at this move, you look at if Dybala starts and Zaniolo becomes a bench player, some games, or maybe, you know, Pellegrini's rested some games there, there's quality depth. They're not just bringing in, you know, the three of us to, to fill out the roster anymore. Yeah. And to go off that Abraham 3000 minutes point, I think I've seen some people a little nervous about Abraham um, commenting on 
you know, Abraham singing a little off in these friendlies. And I think that's more to do with um, maybe him pacing himself for this upcoming <laughs> season, given that he's played so many minutes. And, um, you know, in the Spurs friendly, I definitely noticed he wasn't going after every single ball as he would in a normal game. But obviously, this is a friendly. You don't need him to do that. And I think those fears are a little just premature at this point. Yeah, and I think Belotti coming in, because I saw some comments on Twitter, like, what does this mean for Abraham? I think all it means is it gives him friendly competition and training to kind of push him even more to the next level, and it gives you an insurance policy to rest him. And if he gets a knock here or there, don't force him to play through a bum ankle or things like that, like we've seen him do this past season. Anything you want to add, Jim, on Belotti yeah. be- before we move on? I'm happy it's a good move. I think that anybody who's worried about rotations for the attack – needs to understand just how many matches we'll hopefully be playing um, in the Europa League, in the Copa, and in Serie A. And you also need to understand that, like, unfortunately, I love Dybala, but he doesn't have the best injury history. And so we're also setting up a forward rotation where worse comes to worse, we have a lot of other options who can fill in for him into the starting level. Yeah, no question. So on the flip side, someone's got to go to bring Belotti in, and that is apparently Elder Shamordov, who has been linked with Bologna. Uh, nothing finalized yet. The last thing I saw was that Roma wants an obligation to buy in the deal from Gianluca Di Marzio less than a half hour ago. Uh, Bologna only wants um, an option to buy after a loan this season, but there is also interest from uh, Torino and Wolves in the Premier League. So maybe that'll help drive up the price a little bit, maybe a little more competition. I saw those clubs would be more open to a obligation that kicks in with certain sporting object objectives achieves minute played goals assist things like that so pinto i'm sure wants to get something done in the next day or two just so he can get this belotti move over the line and he can start training with the side too but three teams interested in eldor a guy who has got 27 career goals in top flight football between russia and italy i mean we all kind of scratched our heads all four of us on the staff when this move went through for i think it was about 18 million euros last summer so I mean, real quick on Elder, what do you think just went wrong here? Was it was he just not up to snuff or other factors in play? I think that it was. it's always been hard in Rome for the backup striker, if they're not an established person, to just like become a reliable rotational option. Uh, we saw that a lot with whoever was backing up Jaco, that like it's very hard to be a plug-and-play striker. And I think that this kind of stems back to also what I was saying about Belotti. The reason why I was worried about him being our star striker is because he's only shown had success at Torino and Palermo. And with Shamuradov, it's like, well, you had success at a small Serie A club. Does that translate to the real world, quote unquote? And I don't think it really did. There were some encouraging moments for him, for sure. But given the uh, speed of the project and the fact that, you know, it really seems like Roma is going all in this season. It doesn't make very much sense to keep him around. He's a guy who I could see being useful in a year or two as he gets used to the system, but we don't have that timeline based off of the investments that we're making right now. Yeah, and I think that when he was brought in, it was probably with a different focus in mind. I think when he was brought in, uh, Jekko was still sticking around and we didn't have any uh, inclination that he was going to leave so soon or so abruptly as he did. So I think when Pinto brought him in, it was with the idea to either play off Jekko or um, fill in for him when Jekko needed a break. And as soon as Jekko left and Abraham was brought in, the entire focus of the project changed and it was built around Abraham. And so Eldor's role in that was, you know, greatly diminished. And from that perspective, he was kind of put in a bad spot from the get-go, which is unfortunate for him. But at the same time, I don't think 
when he did play that he was necessarily up to snuff. Like Jimmy said, he had some good moments for sure, but I think the writing was on the wall as soon as as soon as um, Abraham was brought in because I think we might have even asked ourselves, how does Eldor feel about this coming in for eighteen million, and then uh, a week or two later, Abraham is brought in for forty million, clearly going to be the starting striker. So um i think it's probably best for both both parties to have a clean break and i would be shocked if we do get that um obligation to buy inserted in there and i think if pinto is able to pull that off it kind of offsets the mistake of bringing him in in the first place yeah you know when he played like when you look at his per 90 minutes on on fb reference like he rates pretty highly for attacking players in terms of like shot totals and uh progressive carries and touches and progressive pass receiving all those things but the minutes were so limited that clearly Mourinho wasn't feeling it right with him in the lineup, 784 minutes total in Serie A, just 296 in the conference league, which is where maybe you thought he could have gotten some starts and spelled Tammy. So I think you're right. Once Jekyll left, maybe he could have played off Jekyll a little bit better because Jekyll a little bit more of a holdup striker at this point in his career and things like that. Um, I think it is best if he moves on. I, the thing that always worried me when this move was made for 18 million euros was you're bringing in a guy with almost no goal scoring record, but it's not like he's a 22 year old speculative prospect. He's now 27 and Roma doesn't have time for that. If they're in win now mode where they're going to try to win the Europa league, get at least minimum objective top four and maybe push even higher than that. You need a more established player. And, and that's what Belotti is. If Roma's in that kind of same mode they were in back in the 2001 season capello second season and you had batistuta as the big signing there's your dibala right um he kind of fills that del vecchio role below to the the guy off the bench who will work his rear end off can chip in goals and i think that's what roma sees there and eldor wasn't that guy and hopefully for him he does well elsewhere especially if it's uh like one of those obligations that are kicked in with goals and things like that we're going to hope he succeeds because we want roma to hopefully get at least 10 million euros back for him um, but if, if Pinto could do this, I guess the original move can be forgiven, right? Because he's going to get at least probably a break even type deal, uh, once the, these first two years are, um, kind of paid for already, so to speak. Um, and it, it could turn out well for Roma, especially if Belotti plays to the level that we're expecting him to play at. So that's the big move that's in the talks today. I mean, when Haldem still has not arrived yet, last I saw from DiMartio a few hours ago is that they haven't officially come to an agreement with PSG on the formula of the deal, whether it's um, Roma wants a, a dry loan. Um, PSG wants an obligation to buy inserted. Hopefully they'll meet somewhere in the middle of the next couple of days. You'd think, uh, you know, they need PSG to kick in some of the salary. So it's kind of a complicated deal. Are you guys getting at all worried that this deal could fall apart? And then Roma's midfield is, is still not up to task with just uh, about a week and a half to go to the first match. And, that's the, the position we've identified for now two seasons that needs to really be upgraded. I'm not super worried. I think that anytime you've got a guy who's on as big of a contract as Wijnaldum is, um, you need to, it takes time. And I think that it's, I'll, I, I trust apparently rumor, the rumor mill says that Roma and PSG get along pretty well, which adds up considering that uh, Roma was one of the clubs that did not go in on the Super League construct who you could have seen being a part of the Super League. And PSG obviously was one of the big organizations that just said no very clearly to the Super League concept. So there's a lot of reason to think that PSG's ownership and Roma's ownership get along. Uh, there's a lot of reason to think that Wijnaldum wants to be in Rome. And there's a lot of reason to think that, you know, this will get resolved. I'm I'm pretty sure it will. And we need the we need the player. So it'll I think it'll happen. Yeah, I'm not overly worried either. I think that they're going to find an agreement. I, I'm not sure 
what exactly is the sticking point in terms of what will lead to an obligation to buy or won't or won't lead to one. I think Champions League qualification is probably a fair benchmark um, for that obligation to kick in, but we'll see what it ends up being. And I think even if it falls through, which, like I said, I don't think will be the case. I think Wijnaldum was never the priority this summer. And so if it does fall through, I think Pinto probably has two or three backup options in mind. Um, maybe you re- revisit there for Tezzy well with more urgency if it falls through. Um, but I think, and as many people have noted, it's not that true DM that we still need. So it's more of a luxury um, transfer, if anything. And so from that perspective, um, not overly concerned. Yeah, I, I think it'll go through in the end. I think it's a little bit of haggling both ways. I know that he had a bonus that kicked in yesterday with PSG, so it was never going to happen before July 31 when he was going to get that 3 million euro bonus that um, apparently was in his contract. So hopefully, again, in the next couple of days, this gets sorted out because even if he's not going to be integrated enough for the first match, you still want him ready maybe for that Juve match, match day three, right, where you are playing your first big opponent um, just to have a little more option in the midfield. Some of the other players that have been rumored to leave, Justin Kluivert apparently uh, has, a, has an offer from Nice for 10 million euros, according to Cordiere, but Roma holding out, uh, hoping that Fulham's interest is concrete enough to maybe drive up the price a little bit one way or another to one of those clubs. Him and um, Ricardo Calafiori not training with the, the full squad anymore. They're now on individual training as they look for moves away. So maybe that a Kluivert move is close um, with him now no longer participating in full training. Same with Calafiori. Um, Felix, another player who is linked away, interest from Sassuolo. How do you guys feel about selling Felix if um, Eldor is also out the door and Belotti's coming in? Is it the right move? Would you move him, try to move him on loan with a buyback or one of those kind of deals? What, what do you think about Felix? Still only, I think, 19. With, uh, well, with Felix, I um, am actually having our U23 next piece of that come out be about Felix. Um, and in that, I talk about how for Felix, the, the, the potential is there, but what he needs is minutes, minutes, and more minutes. And I think a loan move is definitely what he needs at this point in his career, especially with the attackers that we have coming in. But I think his potential is such that I wouldn't want to lose him entirely. So I think if he does go to Sassuolo, it would preferably be with either a buyback or um, on a straight loan. I know he's probably, him along with Volpato were the the top two names mentioned uh, as make weights for any for Tezzi deal. And if this is an operation that uh, isn't tied to that, I would be uh, a little hesitant to, to give him to Sassuolo considering the level of hardball that they've been playing with for Tezzi. Um, but overall, I think he definitely needs to join a lower table team to, to just get more minutes under his belt and uh, really hone his skills a bit. Yeah, he needs a move. Um, I have never been as high on the Felix train as other people. Uh, Not because I didn't see potential, but because it felt like he wouldn't be able to reach it very quickly in Rome uh, compared to some of the other people. Like I just saw way too many stumbling blocks for him to get consistent minutes in Rome compared to like a Nikola Zalewski last season Um, or an Eduardo Bove this season, most likely. And I think that'll especially be true with the attacking contingent that we have now. Uh, I hope he can go to a Sassuolo type place. I would be fine with giving them a Fratesi type deal where we sell them and we get, you know, a percentage of the future fee. We can use that to negotiate the same with, that we are with Fratesi. Um, 
I would be fine with that for a lot of our prospects, to be honest. I think that's basically the future of kind of the Sabatini special where you sell half the rights to the player or something like that. Like that is the future of youth development saying that you get 40% of the fee and then you can renegotiate. So you're basically buying them back for a lower price. Um, and yeah, I think he needs a time. So I would be totally fine with him going off on permanent, semi-permanent, who knows, um, move to a smaller club. Yeah, I remember those days of co-ownership when you would uh, each own half the player, then it would go to like auction if if the teams couldn't reach an agreement and it was like a blind uh, blind auction basically. And uh, whoever had the higher bid would get it in a neutral like party would pull it or whatever. That was crazy. I think the benefit to that system, which is no longer around, is the players w- was owned by both teams. So if Felix went to Sassuolo and it was a co-ownership deal rather than a dry loan, the team had a little more stake in his development, right? I think that's been an issue with like Calafiore the past couple of years. He goes to place another place and they don't really care if he develops that much because he's a, a, a roster filler. Maybe he could become useful for them. If he doesn't, Big goes back to Roma. But anyway, I, I agree. I think if you send Felix away, I think a loan with an option to buy or an obligation to buy, and then with a, either a buyback or a future sale percentage would be uh, probably in the best interest of Roma, especially because like you said, Felix is, it's pretty blocked now to playing time this season if Belotti comes in and Dybala has arrived and, and those sorts of things. And Brandon's right. He needs minutes, right? He's a 19-year-old kid who was playing high school football and gone about 18 months ago. And I think Sassuolo could be the perfect place. They play attacking football. They sold Boga in January. Um, Skamaka just left. Apparently, Raspadori is being tracked by both Napoli and Juve, so he could go to one of those places. And there could be plenty of minutes and a very uh, talented attacking side. And it could be a good way to to get the best out of him and eventually make his way back to the capital. Um, Carlos Perez, another attacker who's rumored to be going to Celta Vigo. Uh, Roma wants a, a permanent deal. They're still pushing for the loan. So we see a common theme here with a lot of these teams is they want loans from Roma. Roma wants cash um, and not happening so far with a lot of these moves. So hopefully they'll mostly get unlocked in the next week or so uh, as the season starts to approach. I mean, there's still plenty of time left in the Mercato another month, even though the season starts in two weeks. But one more big rumor that came out today or it's been kind of simmering in the past few days is Zaniolo to, to Spurs. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a meeting in the next couple of days. We'll see if that happens. But Roma, 50 to 60 million euros cash. The interest from Juve is now over, who, who they're apparently now linked to Daniele Verdi based on that one, uh, that one tweet we shared in the group. I, I have a hard time believing they're going to buy Daniele Verde up in turn. But Zaniolo, no longer a Juve target, now a Spurs target with Conte. Do you think Roma sells if, if Spurs comes with 50 to 60 million euros cash? No. Um, for the simple reason that we're getting to the point where it's too late in the mar- Mercado. It's too close to the start of the season. You don't sell a player. Like, re- remember when we sold Lamella that late in the season? When you in the Mercado, it never ends well when you send sell a player that late because you can't get a good replacement in. You can't get a good replacement in. And even if you do, that good replacement has no training time with the club before the season starts. And that means that there's very little chance of them gelling very well quickly. Um, the Tammy Abraham special is very much the opposite of the norm. Most players, especially attacking players, need time to gel. And so for that reason, I don't think that Tottenham goes in for him. I also don't th- see where Zaniolo starts at Tottenham, to be honest with you. Like, do you, who does he replace? Does He re- he doesn't replace Son in the lineup. He doesn't replace Kane in the lineup. And then I, I don't think he waltzes into the starting 11. So from his perspective, I don't see the point of going to Tottenham either. Yeah, or be, uh, you know, just going to the Premier League for, for the sake of going to the Premier League. 
Right. Um, and then in terms of uh, what Jimmy was mentioning about it being too late in the market to replace them, we've seen we've seen the consequences of that numerous times aside from um, the example Jimmy gave where, you know, Strootman left at the the um, mm. after the season started. Season had and, started already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we saw the consequences of that. And so there, there's there goes another example there. Um, I think I'm not so locked in on the idea that Roma aren't going to sell on the basis of the season being so close. I think they're en- entertaining the idea. Um, I would imagine they're entertaining the idea in the event that they're unable to get some of these other uh, smaller moves off where, um, you know, you're, you're not going to find a buyer for Perez or um, some of some of the other Deadwood out there. And you need to raise the money to unlock a Fortezzi or one album or Bellotti. And from that perspective, I can see them cashing in. But um, by and large, I don't see it really being a move that makes sense for Spurs, other than it being um, a, a Paratici, uh, you know, fantasy for a few years now. Um, but like Jimmy mentioned, I don't see how he gets into the starting 11 there. And I think for Zaniello, if you're going to move this late in the window, it would be for Juve more than any other team. And like Steve was saying that that interest is cool. So I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't think it happens either. I think if it does happen, it's because Conte covets the player, right. That, that connection that he has uh, with Paratici as well. But yeah, the only way I think you're right. It could happen is if they have to move some money, right. To, to bring in another midfielder, maybe to unlock some of those deals. But I, I think Pinto's working hard to get rid of, some of that other dead weight that would clear the salary and the roster space and maybe bring in a 10 million euros here, another five there. And, and, and then they're good. I mean, the only way he gets into the starting 11 there is right. If he replaces Kulisovsky who they just brought in last year. And even that he's not even a out and out starter all the time with Lucas Moore on the bench. So I don't, I don't see where Zaniolo's minutes would be much bigger in the Spurs lineup than in Roma's. He probably has more hope in Roma's lineup to get those quality minutes and develop a, and if he if the Juve thing didn't come to fruition, he, if he didn't force his way out for Juve, I don't see him forcing his way out for Spurs. At least I don't think so. So um, I don't know. I don't think it happens. I hope it doesn't happen at this point because we don't want to panic by either, like we saw with Zonzi a couple of years ago, right? We don't want to just bring someone in with that cash just because we have the cash. Not that I'm saying Pinto will do what uh, Monchi did at the time, but we, we don't want to be put in that situation, I don't think. Yeah, he's going to sell Zaniolo and then write an open letter as to why he sold Zaniolo, <laughs> the Munchie special. <laughs> the open letter, why we sold one of the most prized talents of the team for under market value. Um, not what we want. What, what, what an idiot, sorry. Yeah, So, and the only other update I saw today is that maybe our old friend Monchi is trying to poach away Eric Bailey if Roma is really interested in him from Manchester United. They are apparently in on him as well. So we'll see. What okay, man, out. do it. I don't, I don't particularly care. <laughs> yeah. That, like yeah. I, I, I've not understood why center back depth seems to be such a priority in the rumor mill right now. Like we have four center backs that I trust at this point. Like Kumbola I think it has, comes down to, to me, you're playing a back three. So you need, you need a fifth player if you're sticking with the back yeah. three. I know, I know, but like I have more faith in like I don't know. I don't, I don't really want Manch- another Manchester United reject. Like two times it's worked so far. I think, assuming Matic comes good, and three times if you can count Mkhitaryan. I do not want to push my luck by getting more and more Manchester United rejects. One of them is going to blow up in our face. 
I don't know, man. Smalling had Kane locked up on Saturday, yeah. so we're talking center back. Yeah, I'm saying Smalling looks great. <laughs> I don't know if we need more Manchester United rejects, though. Like, after a certain point, like, the hot streak ends. You get a guy who just turns out he sucks, and it's not just Manchester United's fault. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see them bring in one more center back for Sigma the back three, preferably a left-footed player just because we don't have one. Um, not saying it's got to be somebody who's clear-cut, like, out-and-out starter at this point, but someone just to, to build up the roster a little bit, because if say two of those center backs get hurt, who are you putting back there? Are you putting Karsdor back there or Selleck? I don't know. Like if that's what you really want to do in a big match against a Juve or an Inter or something, if that's what you're forced into. Yeah. So Nezzy would be ideal if we yeah. can get him. And that's the thing, right? If you, I don't think they're going to sell Zaniol, but if you get 60 for Zaniol, do you go out and get Fratesi and, and Senezi? And is that an upgrade to the overall depth of the squad, right? That then becomes a, something for Pinto to think about. Yeah, but it's, it's it's getting too late for that for those type of wheeling and dealing. I think with the season being just a few weeks away, unless he already has you know some tentative agreements in place. If this happens, a Mister X, there's a yeah, Mister exactly. X. <laughs> X is out there. Yeah, so that's uh, that's where we're at with just about uh, I think it's like twelve days to the first match of the season, thirteen days to the first match of the season. We'll see what else Pinto has in store, and we'll be back uh, at least one more time before the season kicks off next weekend. Not this coming one, the following one. Up Roma's first match is the 14th. So, guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, keep an eye out for the latest U23 where we talk about Felix Ofenda-John. Yeah, we've got the U23 countdown going on. The first two, uh, number 10 and number 9 players, have been posted. The rest will be coming on in the next few days. So we'll our positional previews and then uh, our roundtables will probably be out next week uh, too, I'd imagine. So stick with us for all the updates on the site and uh, keep, keep up with all the listening on the pod. And we appreciate you tuning in and, you know, commenting and just interacting on the site. You guys are why we, uh, why we're around.